All right, back at it for another edition of the Down and Distance podcast. Brandon Ross, Tara Lynch here with you. Tara, we talked a lot of college lately. It's been, I think, three episodes in a row now, so I think it's about time we get back onto the pros and sports are seeming to come around soon. We have no official word on baseball yet. We're recording this on Monday night, so don't throw an egg on my face if something's completely changed by the time this gets posted on Tuesday morning, but if... Uh, base, all goes well. Baseball's looking good. NBA's got a plan. NHL's got a plan. And NFL does have a plan. And if all goes well, we'll be seeing football come September. And NASCAR on right now in Talladega, as you said, recording on Monday night. So they are back up and running. They are considering being one of the first professional leagues to bring fans back. And then you talk about the MLS coming back soon. The Premier League came back. And the Bundesliga in Germany has been back. Um, La Liga in Spain also came back. So you're seeing a lot of uh, leagues around the world, not just in the U.S., that are really uh, starting to, to make it back from this. And, and so far, at least internationally with soccer, things have been uh, okay. And when you look at you know a country like Spain and England, for that matter, uh, being confident enough to, to bring soccer back, their biggest sport, uh, that's a good sign. So for us, the NFL probably one of our bigger sports here in the U.S. alongside uh, the NBA. So uh, it's good to see that that they are coming back. They have a plan, hopefully, and we'll have more insight on the NBA uh, in about a month. So we'll see how that's going. Well, not to give more soccer to the domestic audience that won't necessarily uh, be interested, but I'll add that the WSL is also set to come back. Now, one of the teams did have to pull out because of COVID positive tests, but the fact that there are professional sports at different levels heading back to the field is always a good sign. All right, let's let's get to the football, Tara. I'm excited for the NWSL. I have to plug them because they 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 are a great league. Uh, WNBA as well. The women's leagues that are coming back. um, Huge plug to them because, you know, those athletes during this COVID pandemic, uh, you know, they're not making. Uh, multi-million dollar a year contracts like some of the you know male players in their respective sports so I give them a huge shout out because that is a an added uh just an added layer for them so when they come back tune in because uh they they need our support more than ever football let's go they're they're certainly grinding but so are the football players trying to get on the gridiron in September and you've got a few teams looking over the past couple of seasons that I think, and I know you have a few too, that are primed to sort of take that step to the next level, that they've started to accumulate pieces. They have a good foundation. They just need everything to come together the right way and they can compete in their division and potentially make a big run to possibly even the Super Bowl. So I'm going to start off with my first one and think we'll snake it. I'll give one, you'll give two, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, We've both got three. So I'll start with uh, the first team on my list and that's the Detroit Lions. They they've had a fascinating, fascinating history in Matthew Stafford's run, but none has quite been as rocky as the last couple seasons with Matt Patricia at the helm. But I think people are giving Matt Patricia too much flack for being a bad coach. There are games he should have won. I'm not going to argue with the fact that he should have won more games. He needs to learn to win those close games. That's the thing I think they need to fix the most. But 
you only have a lot of room to go up when you're three twelve and one a and b they had to fight through last year for the most part without Matthew Stafford but something that's helpful is they have the right minds on the coaching staff Matt Patricia again a defensive guru the pieces have not been there the defense has been atrocious in Detroit and that's been a part of why they've lost in quite magnificent fashion so many times but I think once you start putting the pieces together, if something clicks, if something clicks, something could happen there. And they're already off to a really good start. They drafted Jeff Okuda out of Ohio State with their first-round pick, third overall. And I think he could really provide a spark plug to that defense, cause more turnovers. If they can give their offense more cushion, then I think the Lions are bound to win more games. And I think they do do better offensively, and I think the defense takes a step up as well to push them. Not, I'm not going to go and say they're going to go compete for their division, but they're good enough to make a run at it. The North does seem a little bit locked up in terms of that battle between Minnesota Yeah, it's a bit Bay. crowded. And, and we're going to talk about that a little bit more later when we get to some of our division predictions. But... You know, as you said, a lot of teams are trying to get that foundation. And once you get the foundation, it seems like everything falls into place. And for me, I'm going to start with the team that I think is building that foundation right now. My second team is a team that I think did that successfully and is now pushing forward into that uh, divisional, you know, championship run. So my first team, the Arizona Cardinals, I think they drafted really well. I think they have a great quarterback in Kyler Murray that's coming back in for his second year. Um, you know, last year, 12 interceptions, not great, but 20 touchdowns, so about 500 there. Um, you obviously want to minimize those interceptions as much as you can, but he was a rookie. Uh, he's, I think, trying to stay in the pocket a little bit more. A lot of people were worried about if he was going to just run around like a crazy person. Um, I think he's he's trying to rein himself in a little bit there. And you look at some of the additions that they've that the Cardinals have gotten. I mean, DeAndre Hopkins from Houston for literally nothing, like basically for free. And yeah. um, he's a pretty great wide receiver to get yeah, he's for pretty good. essentially nothing. Um, he did have only seven touchdowns last year, uh, but Copper almost 1,200 yards, and he has been a very consistent player, and you want that veteran wide receiver status uh, when you have such a young quarterback because um, that just gives him somebody to rely on, and, and I think Kyler Murray could really use somebody like that. Then you look at Kenyon Drake. Uh, he had a one year last year with the Cardinals. Before that, he was at Miami. Uh, eight touchdowns. Not a lot of yards, I mean, in comparison to like a DeAndre Hopkins, but uh, maybe, you know, a better uh, chemistry this year. Uh, 817 rushing yards. So you look at that, but you also look at the head coach and Cliff Kingsbury. 5'10 and 1 last year but he's going into uh, his sophomore season, I believe, and that will only, you know, make it better and, and give him, you know, okay, I've got that under my belt, you know, let's move forward and, and build uh, forward. The defense was a really big concern. You look at their draft again, Isaiah Simmons from Clemson. Uh, he was a star coming into this draft, and you all knew that, you know, he was going to go 
uh, early and in the top 10. He did that. You get Jordan Phillips from Buffalo, uh, who led the Bills in sacks last year, so he's going to clog up the middle. And you have Chandler Jones, who had 19 sacks and 41 solo tackles. So your defense is getting there as well. Not a powerhouse defense, but you're getting some of those key um, key positions up front and in the linebacker position so that you can, you know, have a, a strong rushing defense, a strong passing defense, hopefully. And, you know, you want to get to the quarterback. That's everybody's goal. So you're building that foundation. You're building the foundation on offense, allowing Kyler Murray to have some sort of chemistry with his running backs and his wide receivers. So I think this is going to be a really strong educational year for the Cardinals because there's a lot of moving forward and, and Kyler Murray should have those nerves out from him. Cliff Kingsbury should have the nerves out now, and, and we're moving ahead. Um, and you talk about culture as well. I think that's something that the Cardinals could develop a little bit more. And once you kind of get those foundational pieces set, you know, when you look at the following season, 2021, who knows what they get next year? Who knows how they draft? Uh, they could be a really solid team out West uh, in, in two seasons. And you mentioned near the end there something that I was going to bring up. The first thing in my response is that they killed the draft. They had, in my mind, the best draft of any team. And we did they talk about won. them in, in one of our uh, our shows where we talked about the draft a couple. I believe that was episode ago. two. Yeah, it was episode two or three. If you want to scroll back and take a listen to Tara and I break down the NFL draft, and yeah, you're right. Arizona won the draft, and. You think about this whole, it seemed like a wild experiment almost with the Arizona Cardinals hiring Cliffs Kingsbury, who, mind you, had never been on an NFL coaching staff, let alone an NFL head coach. But he, they bring him in after he got fired as the head coach of a losing record Texas Tech team. He was going to be the OC at USC, but he didn't even make it to watch a single game for the Trojans. Then he goes to Arizona and... It seems like the pieces are coming together. And Kyler Murray, 12 interceptions, again, not great, but he's got the nerves out of him. And that's a team that could definitely take a jump this year. And it might take an extra year for them to reach their peak potential. Because when you hear of a lot of teams, you usually say, see, you usually see peak results in year two or three. You've seen that in a lot of college programs, too, where that's said in Dino Babers, for example, at Syracuse. That's when he said the offense was going to kick in. And lo what do you know? His third season, they get 10 wins and take home the Camping World Bowl. So this is year two. It might not be the full acceleration, but they are certainly on the right track out there in the desert. And I'm going to go from the desert all the way back to somewhere a little bit chillier, the Steel City, Pittsburgh. I think similar to how the Lions were dealing with quarterback trouble last year with the injuries, Ben Roethlisberger only playing two games didn't help, albeit it did give us some amazing duck memes. Amazing duck memes. Uh, but uh, in all seriousness, I think the Steelers, I think more than the other teams on my list, they had an 8-8 eight eight record. They're not a bottom dweller. They are an average team that had a rough go at it. Uh, and now next year, they'll come back with Ben Roethlisberger and you'll have Rudolph and Hodges at your disposal. And the big key to me is 
is always the case with Pittsburgh. I don't think I can... It's almost iconic that the Pittsburgh Steelers defense is a steel curtain. There's that term that's long been coined, and they already have a stellar, stellar, stellar defense. I mean, TJ Watt is a future star. He's going to follow JJ's footsteps quite well, and he might even overshadow them at this rate. Uh, But he's anchoring a solid defensive core there in Pittsburgh, and you also have a lot of those weapons still in town on the offensive side. It's really tough not to peg them as a bounce-back candidate for 2020. I definitely see that potential uh, with the Pittsburgh Steelers, and their only challenge is that they're in the same division as Baltimore. But they could be in a good position to get a wild card uh, game out of this. And you never know. Ben Roethlisberger, if he can stay healthy, um, Pittsburgh can be you know, a force to be reckoned with. 8-8 eight and eight last year. Average, as you said, middle of the road, but you know, you have um, a great quarterback, somebody who, you know, has a storied last name. You don't have to you don't have to guess who Roethlisberger who we're talking about here, and he's really a franchise guy. So uh, while older, maybe he can he can mentor um, the two other quarterbacks who had to take his place last year. So we'll see. Um, but to quote the Steelers pump-up song in the fourth quarter renegade by the sticks the jig is up the news is out they finally found me who did we find well we found the buffalo bills who absolutely dominated renegade by the way when they played them on sunday night football if you haven't seen that i really recommend that you go google it um the buffalo bills sideline dancing to renegade by the sticks right before the fourth quarter started sunday night football against the steelers in pittsburgh so that was a really great moment the Bills went on to win that game, sealed a wild card spot in the playoffs, which was exciting. Second time in my life that they have made the playoffs. Uh, second time for Coach Sean McDermott. That was his third season. He's going into his fourth. And let's just get into why I think the Bills will be okay. Um, they were 10-6, so that's a good way to come into this season. They are the new favorite in the AFC East because Tom Brady has left New England. I will never get tired of saying that. Tom Brady has left New England. That I never thought that day was going to come, to be quite This honest. feels like more of a victory parade than analysis, Tara. <laughs> well, we're getting to the analysis, but, you know, we talk about, we talk about Tom Brady leaving. That could open up a door to win the division and not be a wild card which could be to the advantage of the Bills, allowing them to win, uh, you know, go on past the first round um, in the playoffs, which they have not done since the 90s. So that would be a step forward for them if they can win the division and get maybe an easier team to play, a wildcard team, host the game. There are a lot of different factors uh, that could play into their uh, play as an advantage for them if they were to lock the, di- the division. No shame, Tara. You have no shame you in lose. just pumping up your Buffalo Bills. I am, but there's a good reason. You lose Jordan Phillips. He was your sack leader, I mentioned. He went to Arizona. You lose Lorenzo Alexander, who was just a stud on both defense and on special teams, and he was a great uh, captain as well. He retired. But you gain Mario Addison, defensive end, nine and a half sacks, 20 solo tackles. You gain Vernon Butler. Defensive tackles, six sacks, 22 solo tackles, replacing Jordan Phillips in the middle. 
You also draft A.J. Epinesa in the second round. He was someone that could have gone in that first round, and if you go back and listen to our draft analysis, the draft was just stacked this year, and there were a lot of really great wide receivers that ended up taking some first-round spots, so that dropped back uh, Epinesa and some other defensive guys who, who were very strong in their college careers. The linebacker position for Buffalo, you have Tremaine Edmonds and Matt Milano, if he can stay healthy, and they are a dynamic duo as well. You also add Josh Norman and EJ Gaines at cornerback. Uh, Josh Norman could be a really great veteran player to go across from uh, Tredavious White, the first-round pick for the Bills a few years ago from LSU. And, you know, you could be looking at the number one defense in the NFL. And I don't just say that as a fan. I say that as, you know, somebody who's looking at where the Bills were last year, the year before that, and where they're going now, and and those key additions that they made. But the key thing in all of this is if uh, everyone can stay healthy, particularly Matt Milano, who's really great on the rush defense. Switching over to the offense, you have Josh Allen in his third year, uh, which is going to be very helpful for him. He made his first playoff debut this year. Uh, You saw him get a little bit flustered against the Houston Texans in the playoffs. There were some very questionable decisions that he made, but I think he got the jitters out, just as we were talking about Kyler Murray. So that will be helpful. You also add Stephon Diggs, of course. I've mentioned that a lot, but he's also joining Cole Beasley in the slot and uh, Smoke John Brown as another, you know, deep wide receiver. Devin Singletary will step up probably as the number one running back. Uh, He was mentored last year by Frank Gore, who has since gone to the New York Jets or the New Jersey Jets, depending on who you ask, especially if you're from (laughs) Buffalo. Um, Just kidding, the New York Jets. So Devin Singletary will have to step up, but it's his second season as well, so those jitters are out hopefully. The offensive line... Only my only concern for the Bills, um, consistency there. You had some injuries last season. Our penalty yards typically typically come from the offensive line, so I think you know that's something that we need to watch out for. Protecting Josh Allen, we don't want him leaping over linebackers again. But you know, we need to keep an eye on the offensive line. I'm not going to say that we're the best team ever because we're not. But I think that we have a chance to go from a mediocre 9-7 and seven that we always are to last year we got 10 wins. That was a big step. And then this year, if we can lock the division, maybe get a home game playing a wild card team, uh, that's better odds, especially when you're playing in Orchard Park, New York, uh, with the fans and all of that. And maybe that will allow Josh Allen to have a calm game at home Uh, where he's not nervous on the road. That's my analysis on the Bills, strictly in the numbers and the facts. Strictly in numbers and facts. I would would rake you over the coals for saying so many wees, but given your family connections to the Bills, I'm not going to tear into that too much. It it is somewhat justified to a certain extent, but you are right on the, they have the potential to eclipse that nine and seven bubble that they've been stuck in for eternity. I do think they have the chance to do that. The problem is you mentioned the offensive line being the biggest issue. That is the hardest issue to fix. And it is the most dangerous issue to have. You can be weak at a particular position and still do fine. You can make a Super Bowl run if you don't have a stellar running back. You can make a Super Bowl run if your outside linebackers aren't amazing. 
You cannot win football games if your offensive line is weak. Your quarterback cannot run the offense if he does not have time to throw. Your running back cannot run the ball if he does not have holes to go through. So that is something to watch out for. If the O-line gets their act together in Buffalo, I think you are dead on. But if they don't, I think it might be even more disappointed than 9-7. Uh, exactly. I mean, the, the Patriots' I'm... defense is really strong. Really strong. So when you talk about that is the probable division, you know, two front runners. If you have a terrible offensive line and a really great defense, they're going to win every time, Tom Brady or not. He has nothing to do with the defense at all. So, you know, we're not – the jig isn't up for the Patriots. Um, I don't think that they're just going to sit back. Um, they are going to be a challenge, as they always have been. I think Buffalo's just in a better position now, maybe, hopefully, to get them. Maybe. 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 But we'll see. Anyway, you you can enjoy the the future of the Bills. I'll continue to toil away in Giants fandom land. Uh, and in the meantime, I will turn my attention over to what I think has not been talked about enough during this pandemic. What I think has been ignored since we last saw football. People have forgotten about Gardner Minshew. People have forgotten about his awesome reign. Gardner Minshew and the Jacksonville Jaguars are my third and final team that I've got set to break out. And you look at, let's, uh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna stop my Gardner Minshew train because as much as we all love, 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 love Gardner Minshew, love him to death. He is an American icon. He has reached that status. I don't know about that. He is, he, I think he has. He's still got a ways to go. And it, it, the competition is out. Nick Foles is no longer a Jacksonville Jaguar. He signed with Chicago. But you think about this all in perspective and you wonder, where can he go? He was not a highly touted guy out of Washington State. And he certainly made his mark. He's got some weapons around him on that offense. DJ Shark is one of the most lethal weapons on offense that there is in the NFL. And they made very good use of their draft to plug some holes. You were having issues in the secondary with health. Boom. CJ Henderson, first round, cornerback out of Florida. You keep him in state. And possibly my one of my favorite sneaky picks, um, someone who maybe didn't get the most love, but you remember Perry Ellis from Kansas? You feel like there are those players that have quite literally been playing in college forever. I felt like Shaquille Quarterman played football at Miami for at least 10 years. I don't know why, but I feel like Shaquille Quarterman just never left, but he's finally professional and he's going to Jacksonville. And I think he'll be a key part in shoring up that defense too. And they got even more picks. They had a second first round pick in uh, that edge rusher out of LSU. They've got Devon Hamilton out of Ohio State. These, this is a team that is well-primed to get past those barriers. They've just got to stay healthy. Nick Foles getting hurt didn't help with their record last year. Leonard Fournette is an injury machine, and he, he has, he's gotten a bit of a bad rap. I think he is closer to what he was hyped up to be than people give him credit for. 
he is a very good running back. He has not had much of an opportunity to shine the way some other legendary running backs have. I'm not saying he's going to go and be a top 10 running back of all time. I don't think he will. But I do think he's got the opportunity to shine as a top tier running back. And once the right pieces are there, he can do his job. Gardner Minshew can do his job manning the quarterback position. And that Jacksonville team can play a little surprise. Jacksonville will be interesting to watch as we move forward. Uh, I will say head coach Doug Marone, uh, Cortland, grad, uh, not a grad, I'm going to rephrase. Jacksonville's definitely a team to watch going down the stretch here, either this year, maybe next year. Uh, head coach Doug Marone started his career at uh, State University of New York at Cortland, fun fact. So uh, he is technically my rival uh, with the Cortica Jug, the Ithaca Cortland. Oh, but he's not my rival. Of the year. So that is, uh, I, I will say that, that is just a weird uh, connection to Doug Marone, but we're going to stay in the Sunshine State. We're just going to go to the Gulf Coast. You're going to just completely ignore me, the Syracuse kid? Doug Marone having coached at Syracuse? You're just going to skip over that part? Well, I skipped because then we'd have to talk about how he was with the Bills, and then I get a little uh, okay. depressed about yeah. that. Yeah, okay, but I understand it now. He did coach at Syracuse as well. Not my rival there. Uh, but we're going to stay in the Sunshine State. We're going to go to the Gulf Coast, and we're going to talk about the team that has a lot of hype around them. It's the 7-9 and nine last season, Tampa Bay Buccaneers that just got the six-time ah. Super Bowl champion Tom Brady from New England, and also Rob Gronkowski somehow got him off of the cruise ships and uh, got him out of retirement. So... He's back. You also have Shaquille Barrett, 45 solo tackles with 19 and a half sacks. That's a lot of sacks. So you not only have a great offense uh, led by the greatest of all time, arguably, you have a good defense as well. Jason Pierre-Paul comes back with eight and a half sacks last season. You also add Mike Evans and Chris Goodwin to round out that offense. Uh, so you not only have Tom Brady, but you have weapons that Tom Brady can use. And also, Tampa just has a lot of hype right now. They just released the new photos of Rob Gronkowski and Tom Brady in Bucks uniforms. Uh, so I think their fans are going to be much more electric this season. And you never really know the role that the 12th man can play, but I think a team like Tampa who was not that great they were mediocre they had been for a while when you have you know some sort of excitement that can really help you and push the players because the fans are excited the players get the adrenaline rush and they can go out and maybe compete for a wild card in the nfc or there could just be a lot of hype for no reason we're really gonna have to see how this plays out you're certainly not underestimating the scale of the hype train that's been heading towards tampa bay I'll get a little bit more into it once we get to the division predictions, but I don't think Tampa Bay is all it's hyped up to be. I really don't. We're going to uh, see. But we'll, 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 uh, we'll, we'll get to that in a second. We'll start uh, over in the NFC with our division predictions. Let's start with the one closest to home for me since we spent so much time fantasizing over the Buffalo Bills. Let's go to the NFC East where the Giants are not quite living in such a fantasy. They are 
probably going to finish at the bottom of the NFC East. They are not quite primed to escape their rut just yet, but I mean, it's really, really tough to think that this is going to anywhere but Dallas or Philly. The question is, is it going to Dallas or is it going to Philly? I think that's a really difficult question to ask because both of these teams are really similar in my opinion. And it always comes down to one of those last few games of the year when the Cowboys play Philadelphia, usually. Uh, So I think that you look at Dallas and you look at a team that has had some injuries uh, in the in the last few years to some of their star players. Um, you look at Philadelphia, who drafted Jalen Hurts. Not really sure why, but, you know, Carson Wentz does get hurt sometimes, so it's good to have somebody um, like Jalen Hurts who can maybe learn from Carson Wentz and, and step up if needed. Um, I think it really is a toss-up who it goes to so I'm personally not going to pick one right now but it's it's I think it's pretty much locked up between them and I think it's gonna be you know an eight and eight nine and seven type of situation for whoever wins the NFC East I think it's a lot more clear-cut to me because you have to just consider the consistency factor Dallas has not gotten it done when it comes to the playoffs a and b They are now running it under a new head coach. And when in doubt, if you're pitting two teams against each other and many metrics are similar, a lot of things seem to be balancing out the scales. When in doubt, go with the gut of experience. And all of these Eagles players have been through a deep run and they've been through all of it together under the same leadership, under Doug Peterson. He's still there. He's still running the ship. They've been running that show for years now. And we don't know what kind of regime Dallas is going to look like. It's going to be in Jerry Jones's image. We know that. But it, we don't know how Mike McCarthy is going to handle the spotlight. Is he going to really deliver on whatever he promised Jerry Jones during that fancy sleepover? We don't know yet. But once we get to... The end, I think Philly will be on top in the NFC East. So, got the East down. Let's move up north. Bears, Lions, Packers, Vikings. We don't really even need to think about the Bears or the Lions. We need to think about the Packers and the Vikings. So, Tara. Again, I think this is a really close division. It's It seems to always be the Vikings or Green Bay. When you look at how they drafted, I really question Green Bay. They only added, I believe, a running back um, as the only offensive weapon that they drafted. Um, again, our analysis on Green Bay, you can go back to our draft episode. But We tore them to shreds. Unfortunately, and I love Aaron Rodgers. I think he is a great human. Um, I just really like him on the football field. I think there's a lot of positive there. Um, but unfortunately, we had to go against the Cheeseheads here uh, because they just didn't draft well. Um, Minnesota, maybe the better team. I'm going to go with Green Bay. They had a great season last year. If they can build on that and, and try to move forward uh, despite the draft, I think it could be a solid season if Aaron Rodgers stays healthy. So I'm going to take Green Bay in, in this 
in this division, although I think the Vikings could be close. I think whoever comes in second is in a great position for a wild card. I agree with you, and you're right. Aaron Rodgers knows what he's doing, and because of that, I am with you on the Packers pick in this division. I, If Carl... Carl's my roommate from college. He is a Vikings fan. For some reason, you're listening to this. I am sorry. But if you're going to put a coin toss in front of me, and on one side you have Aaron Rodgers, I'm going to take Aaron Rodgers. All else being equal. That's similar to how consistency is keeping the ship right in Philly and why I think they're going to be better than Dallas under a first-year system. I think the consistency of Aaron Rodgers and how he's run that offense is even with a new head coach in Art LaFleur, I think he is still in a better position to make his team better than the Vikings are to be at the top of their game. All right, that's the North. So far, we've got split decision on the NFC East. We've got unanimous agreement on the Packers finishing on top, the NFC North. Let's flip the scales, go south. This is probably, in my mind the most fascinating division of football on that. This is quite literally a division where aside from the mate, you don't even know anyone could really win. It depends on how so many things shake out. How good is Tampa Bay actually going to be? Is Drew Brees still going to be effective at his age or is Teddy Bridgewater going to have to take on a bigger role? What will the Panthers look like under Matt rule? We don't know anything. The Falcons have been perpetual middle to high dwellers the Panthers have had a rocky road, the Saints have looked really good, and the Buccaneers are the most hyped team in every level of football imaginable, and they're all in the same division. Carolina, right now, I mean, I don't see anything huge happening there. I don't see anything huge happening in Atlanta. The big question, and we addressed it earlier, is what's going to happen in Tampa? We truly have no idea. At all. No idea at all. There's a Not lot a, of great pieces. Zilch. It's just like the Browns a couple years ago, right? When you look at the Browns, they had, you know, uh, they got Juice Landry. They drafted Baker Mayfield. Um, they they have just a lot of big names and personalities on that team. And everyone thought, oh, my gosh, the Browns are going to the Super Bowl. No, they won some games, which is good for them because they had a couple of seasons that were a little uh, shaky there where they didn't win a game or maybe they only won one or two. So they got some wins under their belt, but they were nowhere near the Super Bowl. And that could be the situation in Tampa. It could not because you're talking about Tom Brady. You're not talking about Baker Mayfield. Um, So it's really going to be interesting there. I do think the Saints are going to take this division – I think Drew Brees is much more comfortable in the NFC South. I think there's less hype around, there's a consistent hype around the Saints. The Saints are usually pretty good. So I think, you know, at this point, I'm going to take them and I'm going to take the city of New Orleans. Uh, They were really good last year. They almost had a chance at the Super Bowl. San Francisco was just better. So. Yeah, I, I'm not going to disagree with you there. May, on top of that, I'm going to make a comment that I think Gronk is not going to be the same player that he was before he retired. 
I think everyone's going in with the expectation that Gronk is back, Gronk is back, Gronk is back. What Gronk is back? We don't know what Gronk is back. Is this Gronk still the Gronk that was dominant at every level when his body was aching? Or now that he's a couple years older, are those body aches going to take a little bit bigger of a toll on him? He struggled with injuries a lot. What's to say he doesn't go down in game three or four? What's to say Tom Brady, even though he's been blessed with good health for most of his career, doesn't get hurt now that he's in Tampa? We don't know. Without one or both of those pieces, what is Tampa looking like? And for that reason, and Drew Brees' greatness, New Orleans takes the cake in the South. We've been taking plenty of time with these divisions, so we're going to pick it up just a little bit in terms of our pace and move on to the West. Probably the most talented division in the NFC, Rams, Cardinals, 49ers, Seahawks. Wow, that's, that's, that's stacked. It is stacked, and when you look at how it all went down in the playoffs, obviously San Francisco, the Super Bowl runner-up, the Seahawks making trying to make a run in in uh, in the playoffs um, didn't pan out too well for them because of their you know division friend to the south in San Francisco. So um, for me, I think San Francisco is going to stay on top. I think Jimmy G is is just kind of breaking the surface with with what he can do. Uh, I think. The Seahawks are, again, in a great place to get um, a wildcard position in the NFC alongside a team like maybe the Vikings or Tampa Bay if they're good. Um, so I think that's kind of where I'm looking for the NFC West. I'm thinking the 49ers are pretty well primed to make another deep run, but I, I do also think Seattle has a lot of fuel in that tank there to make a deep run too. So that's another team that I feel... Could really make a big deal. And Russell Wilson's still there. He's still got people around him. He's still got Pete Carroll running the ship. I think Seattle's got a really good chance to excel in the NFC West and beyond. All right, let's change conferences now. I think with the AFC East, can we just agree that you're going to pick the Bills, I'll pick the Patriots, and we'll call it a split? I guess that's the best way to do it. I do think that if the Bills take it, uh, they're definitely going to have to beat the Patriots at home, which is not an easy task, and you still have Bill Belichick. So I'm not completely sold on Buffalo, although I am a fan. Um, I think they have a better shot this year, but I do think that the Patriots are a team to still be reckoned with, even though they don't have uh, the greatest quarterback of all time. You're right, and I think at quarterback... They've still got a really, really good player. Jarrett Stidham, he might not have been a top-of-the-draft guy, but he is still a very talented quarterback. He did great things at Auburn. He had a very rocky road in college, but once he settled in at Auburn, he excelled. And I think he'll continue to do that after taking the reins over there in Foxborough. Let's move to the north. Ravens, Bengals, Browns, Steelers. I think that's an easy one, too. I have to yeah. go Baltimore, uh, Lamar Jackson, Mark Ingram. They're just too good. Yeah, no, I completely agree with you. There's no contesting that Baltimore's got this division about as close to on lock as you could possibly imagine. And Pittsburgh is probably a top-tier wild card team, but uh, you're not going to be beating the Baltimore Ravens on a consistent basis. No team, let alone anyone in that division. So, let's recap where we've gotten so far on our divisional predictions. Little bit of a split on the East in the NFC. In the North, unanimous decision behind the Packers. Saints in the South. Out West, Seattle, San Francisco seem to be the front runners. 
Tara is going to pump up her bills to the end of time. I give it to the Patriots in the AFC East. AFC North, Baltimore's got that locked down. And now we head to the South, where I question why the Indianapolis Colts are positioned in a Southern division, but that's the reality of sports conferences, uh, and we'll keep going. Um, So Colts, Texans, Jaguars, Titans. We were talking about the Jaguars and how they have pretty good potential to move up, but there's still a lot of ways that that can go wrong. And not to mention, you've still got Phillip Rivers joining Indy. And on top of that, Ryan Tannehill just had a really, really good postseason with Tennessee. And Tennessee was the team to knock off the Patriots. So, (laughs) and Tom Brady. Um, Making both of us quite happy. Both of us quite happy, but both of us probably very confused in that moment. Um, But (laughs) anyways, I think that this division is one of the most interesting because the Jaguars are moving up. Indianapolis is one of my honorable mentions. They are moving forward as well. They had a great draft. Uh, I think this will stay with Houston. I think the Titans could be good, but they're one of those teams, kind of like Buffalo, that's always on that bubble of mediocre or mediocrely good, if that's even a good way to say that. Um, So Tennessee reminds me a lot of Buffalo, so I don't know how to take them. I think Houston is probably the most consistent, but J.J. Watt, if he gets hurt again, who knows? Um, I think this division is really a toss-up because a lot of these teams are very similar. All right, I appreciate the candidness about your own bills, and you you are right in that regard, but I do still think I'm going to give Tennessee the edge here, and here's why. You, Jacksonville, I, I say they're going to make a leap. I don't think they're winning the division this year. Indianapolis, they're going to be pretty good in their first introduction to the post-Andrew Luck era You know that they knew about, uh, but I don't think they are going to win. It is between, in my mind, the Texans and the Titans. I think the Texans are just not going to properly adjust to, you know, DeAndre Hopkins isn't there. Sure, you have David Johnson. (laughs) You have David Johnson now, but this isn't as much of a running league. And to be, and that was a big win for Arizona in that trade. On top of that, because with the type of offense Cliff Kingsbury runs, there was a lot less of a use for David Johnson. And so I guess it was a I scratch your back, you scratch mine type arrangement. They want a running back. You got one. Give us your best receiver. Here you go. But the whole swap was, yeah. I still think the Titans are good because in my mind, there was always this crowd when Tannehill was with the Dolphins. I didn't really give them a lot of credence. There was a crowd that consistently believed that Ryan Tannehill is good and that he's a victim of his circumstances. I did not believe that at the time. I believe that now. I believe that Ryan Tannehill is actually a very good quarterback, and I believe he is capable of leading the Titans to a division win, and I think he will, given a full season at the helm this year. So we wrap out the South with my prediction being the Titans, Tara's got the Texans, and we cap it off with the AFC West as this episode is going quite long. We're approaching it on the 45 minute mark. Definitely our record for longest episode to date, but we're given a pretty thorough breakdown. So we're going to keep it going as we wrap things up. Broncos, Chiefs, Raiders, 
Chargers, don't get your cities wrong because this is a big jumble of teams that have moved. Uh, Las Vegas Raiders and the LA Chargers. Um, that's going to be a fascinating Las Vegas venue. I, I must add before we dive into this, I am quite excited to see what Allegiant Stadium looks like in prime time. It's going to be weird to probably see it at first with no one in the stands, but fascinating to see Las Vegas growing as a sports market. Exactly. And when you look at the Golden Knights in the NHL, their inaugural season was spectacular. They made it to the Stanley Cup Finals. So you can never really uh, take out a team who is has all this hype around them about moving cities. And, uh, you know, the Golden Knights were an, a, an expansion team. But, you know, you never know. The Raiders could miraculously do something. Uh, but my prediction for the West, and also I would like to add, the L.A. Stadium is going to be pretty great as well. Uh, so you have the Chargers and the Rams moving into their new home and the Las Vegas Raiders moving into their new home. So that's a lot of exciting things to watch from the uh, architectural side of the NFL. As we move into who's going to take the division, I'm going to go with your Super Bowl champ, uh, the Kansas City Chiefs. I don't think there's anything that's going to take them down. Uh, Patrick Mahomes is the next Tom Brady, Peyton Manning, whatever you want to list him as I think he's one of the next top guys uh to really pay attention to we're already paying attention he won a world championship so I can't bet against him I completely agree with you I think the Chargers have the chance to give him a run for their money in a year or two but I don't think Justin Herbert can necessarily burst the gates open as he breaks into the NFL and I think Patrick Mahomes is going to make a very, very competitive play uh, for another deep run to Super Bowl, trying to go back-to-back there in Kansas City after not even making a Super Bowl for 50 years. Talk about that for a turnaround in one of the NFL's oldest franchises. And any final thoughts before we wrap up this edition of Down and Distance, Tara? I think it's exciting that we're continuing to have these conversations. A couple of months ago, we weren't really sure that we'd be able to do this at the end of June. And you know, we still have something to look forward to, so uh, I hope everyone is staying safe and healthy, and let's get some football back. And I completely agree with that. Things are looking better. Still nothing certain. Things can change at any moment. But for right now, future is looking bright for football. Tara Lynch, I'm Brandon Ross. This is Down in Distance. We'll see you next week.